Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. Amen. Well, I was uh, preparing this week, and I had a lot of different things going through my head of what I wanted to talk about. Um, I was going to continue on talking about prayer and all of those things that we've been talking about the past couple of weeks, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to take a break from that to address specific issue, and this kind of came uh, earlier on in the week when I met with, I met with Sam Bowman uh, this week, and we kind of had some similar talks about what I'm going to talk about this morning, and then our Wednesday night prayer group stroke, struck again, and uh, in that, I felt like the Lord began speaking some things, and what I felt like he wanted us to pause and talk about this morning is emotional health, is our emotional health. You know, the Lord wants us to be whole, spirit, soul, and body. He's not just concerned about our spirits. He's not just concerned about our, just our relationship with him and the spiritual side of who we are. He's concerned about our whole person. And what I felt like this, this morning, the Lord wanted to, uh, to deal with some emotional issues in our lives, some, some maybe some pain that we're still dealing with. Um, and maybe this isn't going to be for everybody this morning, but I do believe it is for some that you're maybe dealing with just some emotional issues and, and, uh, and, and maybe some brokenness. And I feel like the Lord is wanting to bring wholeness to you this morning. I believe he's wanting to bring some wholeness to you this morning. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning um, is emotional prosperity. I don't know uh, if that's a good way to put it, but that's the way we're going to say it. Emotional prosperity. So let's look here in Psalms 147, verse 2 through 3. It says, The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers up the outcast and brings them home. He heals the wounds of every shattered heart. He heals the wounds of every shattered heart. Now, I was trying to think of an illustration this week to, uh, to share this, this idea with you, the scripture. And uh, I got a story I want to tell you, and if I'm honest, I'm kind of stretching to make my point a little bit, but the story's worth hearing anyway, so, all right? So, several years back, when was it? February 2015, we decided to take the youth to this special place called Sky Zone. Some of you already know where this story's going. So we took the youth to Sky Zone, and we had a, a pretty decent crowd. So we had Brandon and Shelby Farley come along to help us out, help us chaperone. So we went down, uh, I think it was in Carmel or somewhere down there, and went to Sky Zone. And we're at Sky Zone. We're having a good time. We're all jumping on the trampolines. I'm over in the area where they have a dodgeball kind of a little arena. It's on trampolines, uh, and you've got these little dodgeballs, and they line you up, and you, you play dodgeball. So I'm over there, and I'm just taking care of business on all of these youth, showing them who's boss, you know, making sure they understand, you know, who's in charge. So I, we're over there. We're doing that. And I think, I think it might have been Harrison. I can't remember. If it was Harrison, were you, you were there. Yeah. I can't remember who it was. Maybe Adam, I think, was. were you there as well at that point? So there, yeah, a lot of them, a lot of the people in this room were there at this for this. Someone I can't remember who it was comes over and says, "You got to come see what Kanani's doing, Kanani Price." So I I, I uh, 
and, and everybody's relief in the dodgeball arena, I took a leave of absence and I left to make it fair for everyone else. And I left and I went over to uh, wherever Kanani was, which was kind of in the a big open free jump zone. It was just everybody's, it's just utter chaos in this zone. Like there's trampolines everywhere. There's kids from three years old to 20 some years old jumping around on the trampolines. And it's just, it's just pan, 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 it's crazy. <laughs> Pandemonium. There's a D in there. I was going to say pandemonium, but I did it sound right. So, yeah. so it was crazy. So I get over there and I'm watching and, and in this zone, there's trampolines all over on the ground and there's trampolines on the walls going up at a 45 degree angle. And Kanani is jumping. I don't know how old she would have been at this time. Anybody? Any have any idea? 2015? Maybe a sophomore or something. Anyways, what was it? About 15, yeah. So she's jumping on the trampoline and she's jumping off the 45 degree wall and doing backflips just over and over again, just over and over again. And it was awesome. And my ego said, I can do that. <laughs> and so I go over there and I'm like, hey, that's pretty cool, but I'm going to, I'm going to one up it. I'm not just going to do a backflip. I'm going to jump up, hit that 45 degree wall do a twist into a front flip and land on my feet, right? Because I'm awesome like that. So, so I, I try, I attempt it several times and I'm getting the front flip, but I, I keep landing on my butt every time. I'm not landing on my feet. And it's really aggravating me because I'm like, I've got to stick the landing. I've got to stick the landing. So I keep doing, I did it maybe three or four times. And finally, I was just like, I've got to get this. So I'm going to spin as fast as I possibly can. I'm going to hit that wall and come off like a bullet and just spin around and I'm going to land on my feet. So I jump up, I hit the wall, I turn, I spin and I spin hard and I land on my feet. And at the same time, hear the worst possible noise you can hear when you land on your feet. It was crack. And I could still hear it in my head that, oh, it's, it's, it makes me cringe. Crack. I break my ankle. My left ankle snaps right in two. It's, it was horrific. So I'm laying there writhing in pain and regretting my decision to try to one-up Kanani all at the same time, realizing that maybe I'm not a teenager anymore. And so I, I, I'm laying there. I'm writhing in pain. Remember, chaos all around. You know, just because just because I'm hurting and I'm I'm broke my ankle, everybody is still jumping, going crazy. So I'm like hopping around, bouncing like this on the ground, my ankle broken, just utter pan pan craziness. <laughs> there it is again. Pandemonium. Yeah, like the animal, pandemonium. Okay. But then out of nowhere, my knight in shining armor comes onto the scene. So you got to hear the, later on, maybe hear the story from Amber's point of view because it's kind of funny too. So Amber and Amber and Brandon are off to the side and they see all of this happen. And Brandon looks and and he said, actually, I think I think Amber's words to Brandon as they were watching me was, "He better not hurt himself. <laughs> I will kill him if he hurts himself." That's exactly yeah. <laughs> so. So I'm, I'm writhing in pain. Craziness is going on all around me. I'm bouncing all over the trampoline as everybody's jumping around. And then Brandon jumps onto the trampoline, 
runs, pushing kids out of the way, kicking five-year-olds in the face to get to me. He runs, he gets to me, he scoops me up in his arms like a bride on their wedding day, right? Scoops me up in his arms. And listen, there's, there, again, there's, there's kids everywhere, everywhere. And, and there's probably, I don't know, maybe 20 feet or so between where I'm at and where there's safety. He scoops me up, and it's like this Saving Private Ryan moment. Like, you know, that's the battle zone raging all around. He picks me up, and he runs. He doesn't walk gently or carefully. He picks me up and sprints across the, uh, the trampolines. And let me tell you, I've never been more scared in my entire life than in that moment. But <laughs> yeah. As he scoops me up and he carries me, he runs carrying me across the trampoline to safety. The rest of the story, we get over there. He helps me down. We end up at the hospital. Totally broke my ankle. Got screws in it still. Really nice looking scar. So to remember, I'll never forget that day. That scar will always be a reminder of Brandon saving me, saving my life that morning. So... So what does any of this have to do with this, this, this scripture? Well, let me tell you, it doesn't honestly have a lot to do with it. But the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers up the outcast and brings them home. You know, I was laying there with a broken ankle. Brandon, it's hard to be serious. Brandon gathers me up and he brings me to safety. The Lord gathers the outcasts and brings them home, and then he heals the wounds of every shattered heart. And what I believe the Lord is wanting to do this morning is to bind some of you up. Some of you are still in the middle of the war zone. You're still dealing with the emotions. You're still dealing with the pain. And what I feel like the Lord wants to do this morning is gather you up, take you safely off of the battlefield, and then bind and heal your brokenness, to heal your wounds, amen? I feel like the Lord this morning is wanting to heal our emotions, our anxious thoughts, the stress we've been under, and the fear we've been under. And I'm not just talking about the pandemic in this, in this, in this morning. And, and maybe some of this is for somebody who's dealing with some of these emotions during the pandemic. I know that, you know, emotions have been running high, anxiety has been high, stress has been high, all of that, but I'm meaning even just everyday life. You know, just because this virus happened doesn't mean the pain that you were dealing with before has just subsided. And so this isn't just about the virus this morning. This is about any sort of brokenness that you've been dealing with and that you've been fighting inside of you uh, even before the virus. Psalms 35, 27 says, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, listen to this, who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. The Father wants us to prosper in all of things. You know, this verse, when people hear the word prosperity, their mind immediately goes to finances. Do you know what the word prosperity means here in this verse? The word prosperity in this verse means peace, 
success, welfare, a state of health, friendliness, deliverance, and salvation. Prosperity goes way beyond finances. It goes way beyond wealth. Prosperity, according to the gospel, according to the Psalms, prosperity is, is our emotional and well-being of our entire whole being. That his desire for you is to prosper in all things. And he takes great pleasure in making sure that you are whole. He takes great pleasure in making sure that you are whole. So that's where I feel like the Lord is doing this morning. He's wanting to make sure that we are whole. I believe the Lord wants to restore peace to our souls, and he wants our minds to be able to rest in the middle of every storm. Amen? Philippians 4, verses 5 through 6, it says, Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. You know, it's easy. Let me use this virus as an example. It's easy during this pandemic to be pulled in every direction. Everybody has an opinion on what's happening or what should happen or what is happening or any of that stuff. It's easy to get pulled in a hundred different directions. But I want to encourage you this morning, the way to peace, the way to wholeness is not to listen to every voice, but to listen to one voice. That our eyes shouldn't be on the media, it shouldn't be on whatever your friend or your neighbor is saying on Facebook. Your eyes should be focused on one voice. What is he saying in this moment? What is he saying about this pandemic? What is he saying about the divorce? What is he saying about the sickness? What is he saying about whatever it may be, the fight with your siblings or the fight with your son or your daughter? What is he saying about the situation? Because I guarantee everybody has an opinion about your situation. And I'm not saying don't listen to godly advice because the Lord can speak through other people. But I am saying make sure you're focused on one voice, that your attention is on one thing. What is he saying in this moment? Because I guarantee you, once again, if you are listening to all of the other voices, it's going to be easy to be anxious. It's going to be easy to be stressed. It's going to be easy to get confused. And you're going to fall into this, this emotional slump because you're, you're trying to process all of these opinions, all of these information, when really at the end of the day, only one opinion matters. And so don't be pulled in every direction. As the, as the scripture said, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about the thing, or, or worried about a thing. But then it goes on and it says, but be saturated in prayer throughout each day. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. This is, again, this is the answer to peace, to be saturated in prayer, to be in relationship with the Father, that you're talking with him and he's talking with you, that this is the path to peace. And then I love how it says, it, says, it goes on and says this. It says, tell him every detail of your life. Tell him every detail of your life. Don't bury your emotions and act like they don't exist. You know, oftentimes, here's the deal with humans. We don't like pain. Shocker, right? You know, nobody 
likes pain. So what happens when emotional pain comes is we tend to just bury it and act like it doesn't exist. And we do what most good Christians do. And when somebody asks how you're doing, you're like, oh, I'm blessed. I'm highly favored of the Lord. I'm doing awesome. And you're not. <laughs> you're burying that emotions. And what I want to I want to encourage you to do is to tell the Lord everything. Lay it all completely out to him. Lay it all completely out on the line. Tell him every detail of what's happening. Whatever you do, be real in front of God. You know, the Pharisees and religious elite, he called hypocrites, right? Jesus called the religious elite hypocrites, and they never got to know who he was. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the other sinners who were an open book to him, they got to hear his secrets. They got to experience the healing power that he brought. They got to walk with him and to learn who he was those, those 33 years he was on the earth. That when you're open before God, it opens up the opportunity for him to bring in healing. So whatever you do, be real in front of God. Remember, remember the story of Job. I'm not going to go through it all, but Job, you know, lost everything. He lost his house. He lost his kids. He lost uh, his own health. The only thing he didn't lose was his nagging wife, right? If you read the book of Job, that's the one thing. I think the enemy chose to keep Job's wife around because it was more torture for her to be there than it was for her to be gone. <laughs> so go back and read it. It's true. So, so he lost everything. And, it's, and as you read through the book of Job, it is, you know, it's, we get this idea of Job that through all of it, he was completely serene, he was completely well, he never complained. Because it says that Job, was, Job uh, what, what does it say about Job? That he never, he never cursed God, he never, uh, he never came against God. And we, think, we take that to mean that he was good throughout all of it. But when you read the book of Job, you realize that he was angry at God. There was times where he flat out said, God, I am mad. I am ticked off at you. He was, he was angry at God. He was, he was uh, angry at his friends. He, he, uh, he was suffering. He, he had turmoil. He complained. He did all of those things. But the, the thing was is he did it all in the face of God. He laid it all out before God. He didn't hide his emotions. He didn't pretend like everything was all good when it wasn't. He laid it all out before the Lord. And I believe because of that, the Lord answered him. The Lord was then able to heal him. So here's the deal. You can be angry. You can be frustrated. That you, you can be confused. You can be all of those things that maybe something didn't happen or something didn't go the way that you wanted it to or whatever. But if you're going to do it, lay it all out before him. I'm telling you, he is not so soft that he can't take it. Lay it all out before him. Go to the Father and share every emotion, share every frustration, ask every question that you have, but make sure you do it all to him. Lay it all out. Tell him everything. Amen? You don't have to pretend like the pain isn't there. You don't have to pretend like you're not struggling. You don't have to pretend like you're not disappointed. You, don't, you know, faith is not putting on a smile and acting like everything's all good. Faith is taking all of your questions before the one who has all the answers. 
faith is taking all of your questions before the one who has all of the answers. First Peter 5, 7 says, pour out all of your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. He always tenderly cares for you. Pour out all of your worries, all of your anxieties, all of your stress on him. And then I love that, leave them there. And he always tenderly cares for you. So don't feel bad if you're, if you're disappointed. Don't feel bad if you're stressed. Don't feel bad if you have anxiety. Whatever it may be, just make sure that you lay it all out before the Father. Amen? I love that the scripture doesn't end there, though. Amen? Amen. Cool. Verse 7. I'm glad you're all excited, too. Nah. Verse 7, it says, The peace of God... The peace of God, which transcends all under human understanding, will make the answer known to you through Jesus Christ. Let me see it again, say it again. It says, then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answer known to you through Jesus Christ. The fact that it says that his peace transcends understanding tells me that the peace that he gives doesn't come when everything makes sense to be peaceful. That the peace doesn't come when everything's going right, the kids are all good, everyone's healthy, uh, and, every, and the money, finances are going well. That, that, that is, is, is easy to understand why you'd be at peace in that situation. But the fact that he says that the peace that will come transcends human understanding tells me that when the peace comes, it's because it doesn't make sense for there to be peace there. That it's when you are in turmoil, it's when you are in stress, it's when you are anxi have anxiety, it's when you are confused, it's when all of those things happen that he comes and he gives a supernatural peace that anybody else would look at you and say, I do not understand how you can have it all put together in this moment. I do not understand how in, in this moment you are not just in total, uh, in total distress, that the peace that comes, it comes when it doesn't make human sense. Don't believe the lie that many people believe about Christianity. Even Christians themselves have, the, have this problem, I think, sometimes, that we believe that this life as a Christian, that our life as sons and daughters of God, will come without any problems, without any worries, without any anxieties, without any fears, and that, that being a Christian means that life is going to go smooth until we get to heaven. I can guarantee you, I can look around this room and see many in this room that if you told that to, they would look at you and laugh because they've been through some stuff. That being a Christian doesn't mean everything's going to go smoothly. In fact, that lie has, has caused many people to fall away from the faith. Because they go on and they believe that, oh, I'm a Christian. God's going to take care of absolutely every little detail. He's going to make me understand every problem that's going to come my way. And they think that. And then when trouble comes, their question is, when, when the virus comes, when the sickness comes, then they look up at God in anger and ask, why, God? You must not be real because you promised everything would be great. And since it's not, you must not be real. And then they walk away from the faith. And, it, and it, causes, it causes turmoil because we believed a promise that God never promised. 
And what is, Pastor Ron says this all the time, that the Bible says that in this life, you will have trials and tribulations. Look at the apostles. Look at the disciples. They were constantly hiding and running, constantly in prison, and most of them, uh, all but one, was uh, executed. And the one that wasn't executed was stranded on an island and burned in oil. Look at Jesus himself, the Prince of Peace, was crucified. The one who healed the multitude, the one who brought peace, the one who, uh, the one who raised the dead had to go and die on a tree. That this life isn't, he never promised us one time that this life was going to be perfect, that this, there was never going to be trials, there was never going to be questions, there was never going to be pain. But he did promise us that in the middle of it, that in the middle of the trial, in the middle of the turmoil, in the middle of the pain, that there would be a peace that surpasses all understanding. Listen, listen to this. Get this in your, in your heart. You will never be able to tap into the promises God actually gave us if you continue to believe the ones he never did. You will never be able to tap into the promises God actually gave us until you, uh, if you continue believing the ones that he never did. So stop believing that you're never gonna have questions. Stop believing that, that there's not going to be problems and pain and, and things that come into this life because he never promised that that wasn't going to happen. But what he did promise was that through it all, in the middle of it all, if we bring our cares upon him, that he will give us a peace that surpasses understanding, that we will be able to handle every trial, every tribulation, every pain because the Prince of Peace promises peace that surpasses understanding. That's the promise we need to learn to cling to. Amen? That's the promise we need to learn to cling to. What, is, what does that look like? What does peace that surpasses understanding look like? What does, what, is, what does a peace that transcends human understanding look like? I got another story I want to tell you. This one's not quite as funny, but it's, but it's, but it's incredibly powerful. In the early 1800s, or I'm sorry, the mid-1800s, there was a man by the name of Horatio. Horatio was an incredibly successful businessman who had several businesses all along the, uh, the Michigan-Chicago kind of line there. And several successful businesses, was a wealthy man, was doing really well. He was married to a lovely lady named Anna, or Anna, or Anna, however you would say it. And he had five kids. He had four daughters and one son. The youngest was the son, so you can kind of see what happened there. They daughter, 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 daughter. I guess we'll try one more time. Son, you know, <laughs> you've all heard those stories. So he had five kids, four daughters, and one son. Everything in Horatio's life was going smooth. He was he was like kind of like Job in a lot of ways. He was faithful to the father. He was he loved the Lord. He loved his family. He was successful. He was doing well. He was he was blessed. And everything was going great until one summer, the scarlet fever broke out across the nation. And his son, his youngest son, his only son at four years old, contracted the disease and passed away. Absolutely devastated the family. And then when you think that it couldn't have gotten any worse for the family, the Chicago fire broke out. 
and burned up almost every one of his businesses. All of the success that he had, all of the wealth he had coming in, in a moment was wiped out and gone. All in the same summer. His son dies and he loses all of his wealth. The family is, is completely torn up. Horatio is torn up and his wife and his, and his, his daughters, they're just struggling they are asking questions, as many of us would be as well, like why is the Lord doing this, all of those things. And so Horatio thinks we need to just get away for a little bit. We need to get away from the chaos. We need to get away from all of the, all of the, the distraction, all of the pain, all of this stuff. So he decided he was going to take his family, his, his wife and his four daughters. They were going to get on a ship and they were going to sail across um, to England where D.L. Moody, the revivalist, was, was preaching and was holding revival services. So he's like, this will just be a nice getaway. We'll go see D.L. Moody. We'll be encouraged and, and, and this will just be really good for our family. So the day comes, they, they, they go to begin to board the ship. And at the last minute, one of Horatio's uh, employees runs up to him and says, hey, we've got a last minute business deal. We have to take care of it right now or we're gonna lose it. And so Horatio's, you know, he's already struggling financially. So he realizes he has to stay. He has to take care of this. But he didn't want to ruin the vacation for his family. So he told his wife and his four daughters to go ahead and get on the ship, to head on over. And that once he finishes the business deal, he'll be on the next ship across the sea and head over and join them up. So Horatio stays behind and makes the business deal. As he's there making the deal, a few days later, it comes out headline in the paper. The day who, who the, the French ship, I was going to try to pronounce it, but it's not going to work. The ship that his, his wife and his daughters were on, the, the headline said, the crash in the ocean, over 200 people dead. His four daughters and his wife were on the ship. For days, he didn't know what to think. He, didn't, he knew there were some survivors. He didn't know if his daughters and his wife were some of the survivors or not. He had no idea what was going on because back in those days, obviously, they didn't have fast communication. So he's, in, he's trying to figure out what's happening. And then a few days later, he gets this letter from his wife. He gets this letter from his wife. The letter has six words on it. The letter has six words on it, and it says this. Sorry, I'm trying to find it. Wow, my notes are really bad. <laughs> let, me just, let me just tell you in, in, in summation what it said. It, said. it said six words. It said, survived, alone, don't know what to do. That's all the letter said. Survived, alone, emphasis on the alone. I don't know what to do. So during the crash, his wife survived, but his four daughters didn't survive the crash. His four daughters drowned in the water. His wife survived, but his four daughters didn't. You know, the, they say that this, this disaster, this, this shipwreck, was the greatest disaster in naval history until the Titanic. Just to give you an idea of how severe the loss was. So, so there Horatio was, his wife in England, he was there uh, in, in the States, gets this letter, survived alone, don't know what to do. So Horatio, as fast as he can, jumps on a ship and begins making his way over to England to be with his wife. 
while he's on the ship, while he's sailing over the waters, the captain of the ship calls him to the bridge. And he says this, the captain says this, a careful reckoning has been made. And I believe we are now passing the very place where the Ville du Harvey, which was the ship, sank. That at this very spot we are sailing over right now is the very spot where your four daughters' lives ended. That this, these waters is the watery grave where your daughters are. And at that moment, Horatio is looking out on the water. He pulls out a pen and a piece of paper and he begins to write these words. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast caused me to say, it is well with my soul. Imagine, imagine what he's feeling in that moment. You can hear what he's feeling in the, in the words of the songs as he's looking out in the ocean and he's seeing the waves crashing up against the ship. And then he writes, when sea, sorrow, when sorrow like sea billows roll. Then he says, whatever my lot, thou hast caused me to say, it is well with my soul. What does peace that surpasses understanding look like? What does peace that surpasses understanding look like? It looks like Horatio Spafford standing at the edge of the boat, looking into the waters where his daughters had passed away and writing, whatever my lot, you have caused me to say, it is well with my soul. That peace that passes understanding isn't without grief. It isn't without sorrow. It isn't without pain. What peace beyond understanding is, is its promise that in the middle of the grief, in the middle of the sorrow, in the middle of the unanswered questions, that there is a peace that comes and infiltrates our hearts and causes us to say, whatever happens, whatever my lot, it is well with my soul. I love the other verse of that song. I don't know it by heart, so I want to read it to you. The other verse it says, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. That Christ, that, that, though, uh, that though trials come, though Satan attacks, though pain comes, that this blessed assurance, that this faith that I have uh, that I am sure of controls me, that Christ, that the Father regards my helpless estate, that he sees my pain, that he sees my struggle, and then he shedded his blood so that peace beyond understanding could infiltrate our heart. Amen? So that's what peace beyond understanding looks like. It's not lack of grief. It's not ignoring pain. It's just peace in the middle of it. But I love, I love, I love that it doesn't stop with just peace in the middle of grief. 
Isaiah 51, verse 3, which is a verse we've been reading a lot lately. It says, Indeed, Yahweh will comfort Zion, restore her, and comfort all her broken places. He will transform her wilderness into the garden of bliss, her desert into the garden of Yahweh. Joy and laughter will fill the air with thanksgiving and joyous melodies. So here is the promise that in the middle of the brokenness, he will give you peace, but he won't leave you broken. That it doesn't end with just a peace in the middle of the brokenness. It doesn't end with just a peace in the middle of the turmoil, but it goes on. He says that he will restore the broken places and he will turn the wilderness into the garden of bliss. And what I feel like the Lord wants to do this morning is to to take some of you who have been dealing with this grief, dealing with the brokenness, that though maybe in the middle of it you've experienced peace, I feel like what the Lord wants to do this morning is return laughter and joy into your spirit this morning. Because he doesn't just leave us in brokenness, but he heals and restores and causes joy to come in the middle of the desert. And, and there's, there's, I'm not saying that there's not a season of grief. I'm not saying there's not a season of sorrow. But what I am saying is, is that it's, it's, not a, it's not something that we have to live in. That the Lord had never intended us to have peace in the storm and stay in that, that state. But he intended to give us the peace so he could lead us into restoration. So he can, he can take the, the, the spirit of heaviness and give us the spirit of joy and gladness instead. And I believe that's what the Lord wants to do this morning is he wants to heal the brokenhearted. What did we start out with at the very beginning? Psalms 147 verses two through three says, the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers up the outcasts and brings them home. He heals the wounds of every shattered heart. The Lord, I believe, this morning is running after you to pick you up, to carry you to safety, and to restore the brokenness inside of you. To restore the brokenness inside of you. He never intended on us to live in brokenness. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4. This is what I feel like the Lord is prophetically saying to you this morning. The mighty spirit of the Lord Yahweh is wrapped around me because Yahweh has anointed me as a messenger to preach the good news to the poor. This sounds familiar because Jesus is proclaiming this in the New Testament. Isaiah is prophesying what Jesus would fulfill. So this scripture is Jesus, what Jesus came to do. This is what Jesus is saying, that he uh, he came to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the wounds of the brokenhearted, to tell the captives you are free and prisoners be free from your darkness. I am sent to anoint a new season of Yahweh's grace and a time of God's recompense on his enemies, to comfort all who are in sorrow, uh, to strengthen those crushed by despair who mourn in Zion, to give beautiful a beautiful bouquet in the place of ashes, the oil of bliss instead of tears, the mantle of joyous praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. Because of this, they will be known as mighty oaks of righteousness, planted by Yahweh as a living display of his glory. They will restore ruins from long ago and rebuild the long, 
or what was long devastated. I believe this morning the word the Lord has for us is that he is coming this morning to give beauty for ashes, a bouquet for, the, for, for ashes. I believe he's going to give beauty for ashes, that he is going to transform sorrow into the oil of joy. He is going to strengthen those who are crushed in spirit and that he is going to give uh, the mantle of joy for the spirit of heaviness. Isn't it interesting that some of the most beautiful things come through struggle and pain? I want to encourage you with this this morning, that you may have been struggling You may have been in pain, but some of the most beautiful things come out of struggle and pain. For instance, diamonds are born through fire. Oil is made through pressing. Anointing oil is made through pressing. Childbirth. I think all you moms can give me an amen to this, that it is a struggle and it is pain. But the beauty that comes out of childbirth, the beauty of a son and a daughter that is birthed, through pain. Some of the most beautiful songs or pieces of art were conceived through painful experience. Hello, it is well with my soul. Was born through a painful experience and has now has ministered to thousands and maybe even millions of people through the pain that he experienced and that was birth and that, that song was birthed out of that. Some of the strongest relationships were forged through struggle. And here's the big one. The greatest act of love ever displayed was a torn man on a cross. Isn't it it interesting that the universal sign of love and forgiveness is a 2,000-year-old torture device? That when anybody in the world sees the cross, that they understand immediately that it is a picture of love and forgiveness, that beauty came from the ashes. That, that joy comes from the struggle. That, that strength comes from the pain. And what I want to encourage you with this morning is that you may have been dealing with pain. You may have been dealing with struggle. But I believe the mo- this morning the Lord is want to give you, wanting to give you beauty for ashes. That he is wanting to replace your mourning with joy. That your oil, the oil that is going to be on you is the oil of gladness. Paul, if you would mind coming on up. If you, if you wouldn't mind standing with me also this morning. Thank you, Jesus. I believe this morning, again, he is wanting to restore your soul. You know, at the beginning, we started this whole message with this thought that the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of your, his servants. And what I believe the Lord wants to do this morning is, is, uh, is begin to prosper you once again, that he wants you to be completely whole, not just your spirit. We've been talking about that a lot lately with prayer and the garden and all of those things are incredibly vital, incredibly important. But this morning, what I feel like he's wanting to, wanting to focus on, what he's wanting to heal is our emotional and our mental uh, needs, those, those, those deep areas inside of us that have caused us tremendous pain. He is wanting to bring to the surface this morning so that he can lay his hand on it and heal it so he can take the morning and turn it into joy. Take the morning and turn it into joy. That he is going to give this morning beauty for ashes. 
So what I want to do this morning is this. I want to invite you, whoever that may be, that if you are dealing with an emotional struggle or it's it's just a, a pain uh, painful experience that you've been dealing with. If you're dealing with an emotional problem or a, or a stressful or an ex- anxious situation, then what I want you to do is, is I want you to come up to the altar and just meet the Holy Spirit here. And I believe in that place, there's going to be this exchange. There's going to be this exchange that takes place that there's gonna be beauty given for ashes, that there's gonna be oil of gladness for the spirit of heaviness. And I believe that when you walk out of here this morning, that weight that has been on your shoulders, that, that stress that has, has, hasn't been able to leave your mind, that anxious, those anxious thoughts that haven't been able to leave your mind that keeps you up at night, I believe there's gonna be such a peace and such a joy that fills those areas that you're gonna to be totally surprised at how good the Father is. So as, as I begin to pray, I just invite, if that's you, to come on up this morning. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll maybe we'll just pray for you, pray for you even uh, from, a, from up here. But right now, what I want you to do is, is just to, to lay it all out before the Lord. Just like it says in Saul, or, or Philippians, to lay it all out before the Father and to let him come and to bring healing to your spirit. So if that's you, go ahead and come on up as I pray. Jesus, hallelujah. God, I thank you that you are the one who gives peace that surpasses understanding. Father, that it says in Isaiah 61 that you have come to restore those who are in mourning, to restore those who are dealing with emotional problems, Father, with emotional pain. God, that you have come to give beauty for ashes. God, that you do not leave us in a state of grieving. You do not leave us in a state of sorrow. But Lord, you bring us out of that and you anoint us with the oil of joy. So Father, I pray for those in this room this morning that are dealing with emotional problems that right now, Father, you would anoint their head with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory, Father, that the weight that is on their shoulders would just be lifted off of them right now in the name of Jesus. They would not walk around in stress. They would not walk around anxious, but they would walk around whole. God, that it, it, just as it says in Isaiah 61, that they would be oaks of righteousness. The, the oak tree symbolizes strength. It symbolizes an unmovable spirit. Father, that they would become oaks of righteousness. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Once again, I just see the Lord like I said in, I said in Psalms 147, that he is running across the battlefield right now. He is running across the battlefield and he is lifting you up in his arms. And he is carrying you to safety. That some of you have been in the middle of the war zone for a long time. And I just see this morning that he is lifting you up in his arms and he is carrying you to safety. And he is binding up your wounds those broken places, those broken things, those open wounds, he is binding up together and he is causing them to be healed and to be whole. That you no longer have to spend your days suffering on the battlefield. But he is lifting that weight off of you right now and he is binding up those wounds. In the name of Jesus.